Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Support for this podcast comes from the law firm Fenwick. For more than four decades, Fenwick has helped innovative companies become market leaders. Online at Fenwick.com. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Utility giant Pacific Gas and Electric says state authorities are investigating whether the company's equipment might have started a Northern California fire that killed four people late last month and destroyed over 200 structures. In incident reports filed Friday with state and federal regulators, PG&E says a transmission line in a remote area of Shasta County experienced problems on the afternoon of September 27th. That occurred at about the same time as the Zog fire broke out 10 miles southwest of Redding. In recent years, PG&E's equipment has been blamed for causing the most destructive fires in California history, like 2018's Camp Fire. Thousands of Armenian-American protesters marched in Los Angeles on Sunday, demanding an end to a decades-old violent conflict between Armenia and neighboring Azerbaijan that's flared up in recent weeks. KCRW's Benjamin Gottlieb has more. Hundreds of people have been killed, including civilians in both Armenia and Azerbaijan. And the violence is centered on that piece of land you just heard about, Artsakh. It's a self-proclaimed independent nation inside of Azerbaijan, and it's ethnically Armenian. There's been intense fighting in recent weeks, all the more reason why Jasmine Tatoyan brought her daughter and two nieces to protest. Because we tell them that our you know, young boys and little kids even their age, innocent kids are out there dying. Organizers of this demonstration and of others the past couple weeks have been collecting cash and credit card donations to send to the front lines. Stop Turkish aggression! Collective anger among Armenians living in LA isn't reserved solely for Azerbaijan. Turkey has been providing support for the Azerbaijani government, and that rubs many, like Armenian-American activist Levan Abrahamian, the wrong way. This is a continuation of the Armenian genocide. They are trying to ethnically cleanse us. Nasimi Agaev, the Azerbaijani consul general for the Western United States, says Azerbaijan is defending its citizens and charges that Armenia is provoking the conflict. For the California Report, I'm Benjamin Gottlieb in Los Angeles. For the first time, state regulators could cut the costs of jail and prison phone calls in California. It's part of a national movement to reduce expensive phone rates for incarcerated people. KQD's Alex Emsley explains. The California Public Utilities Commission says in some lockups in the state, a 15-minute phone call can cost over $25. The commission plans this fall to start discussing placing a cap on the price of the calls. 
In August, the Federal Communications Commission updated rules over the cost of state-to-state -state prison telecommunications. That was driven in part by the coronavirus pandemic and acknowledgement that the prices contribute to inequality in the criminal justice system. The FCC, though, is not allowed to regulate calls within any state. For the California Report, I'm Alex Emsley. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. This election year, California voters will decide on Proposition 17, a ballot measure that, if passed, would restore voting rights to people on parole, that period of state supervision that occurs after inmates leave prison. KQED politics reporter Guy Marzarati explains the history that's led us to Prop 17. Voting rights was a hot topic at California's 1849 Constitutional Convention. Delegates in Monterey debated whether to allow former Mexican citizens, American Indians, and recently arrived gold miners to vote in the new state. But they spent little time debating the voting rights of former inmates. The delegates quietly passed a constitutional amendment banning people convicted of infamous crimes from voting. But what was an infamous crime? Infamy is an incredibly complicated concept even back then. That's Pippa Holloway, professor of history at the University of Richmond, whose research has focused on felony disenfranchisement. Infamy was such a flexible term, a poorly misunderstood term, a term that could be um, kind of manipulated in various ways statutorily. In California, infamy usually meant felony, but the law wasn't very clear. Fast forward to 1966, when the state Supreme Court applied a new interpretation that infamous crimes should be those that literally affect the election, that people convicted of assault or abuse don't threaten the ballot box. That's kind of a narrow, although I think really distinctly modern interpretation of what infamy means. But that interpretation didn't last. In 1974, California voters approved Proposition 10, which allowed former inmates to vote after their parole term was completed. It also removed the vague term infamous crime and instead stripped voting rights for anyone convicted of a felony. Again, Pippa Holloway. There's a, a gradual kind of a rejection of these old ideas about infamy and morality and more of an understanding that a felony is a felony. The worst of the worst are felons and that there's a fairly clear line between the length of your incarceration and the um, kind of moral or social impact of your crime. Stripping voting rights for felony convictions while California's incarceration rates were going up 
disproportionately disenfranchised Black and Latino Californians. It's why State Assemblyman Kevin McCarty, a Democrat from Sacramento, has referred to the state's current ban on parolee voting as a modern-day poll tax. If you look at their percentage of people who who are on parole and who can't vote, um, you know, they are people of color. McCarty wrote Proposition 17 to restore the right to vote to parolees. Opponents, like North State Senator Jim Nielsen, say California's parole population has shrunk and now contains only serious offenders. They then, with the franchise to vote, they become more full participant in society. Society that they've already shown their disdain for Proposition 17 is a fairly limited proposal. Unlike Maine and Vermont, which never strip inmates of their right to vote, California would only restore voting rights to eligible voters on parole if Prop 17 passes, which currently would affect about 40,000 people. For the California Report, I'm Guy Marzarati. And that is the California Report for Monday, October 12th. From Los Angeles, home to the newly crowned NBA champion LA Lakers, I'm Saul Gonzalez. Have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Two Chairs, offering virtual therapy sessions designed to help clients thrive. Two Chairs therapists have personalized care to over 4,000 clients in California. Learn more at twochairs.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. And Personal Capital, offering remote telefinance services with financial advisors and digital financial planning tools. PersonalCapital.com. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.